2 Samuel 3, 1, there was long war between the house of Saul, the house of David. It was a long, ongoing battle, longer than anticipated. In fact, David never anticipated to have a battle with the king. But the Bible says in the process of time, David waxed stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. What an amazing opening verse here in 2 Samuel 3. That David, a man after God's own heart, was waxing stronger and stronger. There was a momentum that was building. And while his momentum was building, the kingdom of Saul's momentum was unraveling. It became weaker and weaker. It would be in this moment we feel we can conquer, we can move forward, we can do anything because the wind of the Spirit is filling our sail as we go forward. But the closing verse of this chapter, we hear this phrase from David. I am this day. Someone say this day. I am this day weak, though anointed. David was waxing stronger and stronger. But it didn't take long to come to a screeching halt and to come to this reality. I am weak, though I am anointed king. The Bible says that him trying to lead the people he was leading, he said, it was too hard for me. This was too difficult. This was hard. This was overwhelming. The Bible, it's interesting that you can have these two positions in the same chapter. Great momentum, great strength, great building, great victory. But in the next breath, to acknowledge and to admit I'm weak, I am frail, I am vulnerable, I don't know how much longer I can do this. You see moments like this frequented in scripture. We read in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, a very near, dear portion of scripture that the Lord gave me that I have held on to for years. I've preached for, from it many a times and that is, I will tarry, I will remain, I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. A mindset of determination. In verse 9 it says, there was a great door. Someone say a great door. An effectual is opened unto me. Here is this amazing open door opportunity. But just on the other side of opportunity, we meet adversity. And that is most often how it happens. Rarely is one world open up where the opposing force or element is not there as well. Jesus, in his spiritual consecration, he was met by the devil. But while that world was open up, the Bible says he was also met at the conclusion by angels. You go into one spirit realm, and whatever spirit realm is there, there is another as well. 
But here, as the Apostle Paul speaks to the church in Corinth, he talks about this open door opportunity. An opportunity, as I mentioned, typically is coupled with adversity. But if you and I can see past the adversity, we can find the opportunity that is being presented unto us. I don't know about you, but it would seem like there is an anthem the past two years of adversity. There has been a frustration the past two years. And I, I hesitate to even talk about it because it is it just makes me frustrated to even talk about the reality of where we have been for two plus years. I don't like sermons about COVID. I don't like sermons about, you know, the pandemic that we are in. But here we are two plus years later still discussing and living in this same situation. And I'll just be honest with you. I cannot relate to you to the same level and to the same extent. We live in two different worlds. And I'm not talking about Canada, United States. I'm talking about South Dakota in Canada. South Dakota is different than the rest of the United States and South Dakota is different than the rest of the world. For South Dakota is the only place that we have never had mandates or restrictions ever. A complete, I, I don't say that bragging, I don't say that boasting, I'm just giving you context to the reality of where I have lived and where you have lived. I could not fathom and imagine you living church the way you have. And from my understanding, this is more of the open liberties that you have had in this current context and setting that you have had in the majority of the past two years. I cannot even pretend to relate to you. There's a lot of stories I can talk about in this whole process, but I remember on that notorious day, the Domino effect happened all throughout the land, and I was grounded just like everyone else was grounded. Typically, I'm somewhere three, four times a month traveling and speaking at places. But from March to about June, I was grounded. And life continued in South Dakota, but it changed everywhere else. But after that summer, there began an opening, at least on the state side, and I begin to re-enter into districts and re-enter into churches that I have been to before many a times. And I have realized that I felt as if I was walking to a people I've never met before. There was a change. There was a difference. And I'm not here to highlight and underscore a pandemic but I need to address a reality in which we in this room and those watching online have lived in for a long time. What I have realized, and there's a number of routes we can go here tonight, but I'm going to try to stay in the vein in which the Holy Ghost wants me to be in. But I believe there are two categories that have been hit harder, two segments of society in the apostolic church that have been impacted greater than any other segment of Pentecost. This is just my opinion, but in my observation, I believe those categories, that segment of our movement has been young people and ministry. Nobody has been greater affected, at least in my observation of places that I have been, than the generation I am speaking to right now 
of young people and those that are in the ministry that are in this room regardless of your age. It would almost seem as if we have been presented a dream opportunity. We always wanted to have that stay-at-home job. We always wanted to spend more time with the family. Then we got it. And it seemed as if, hey, if I could only pastor without having to deal with people. And then we get to pastor without having to deal with people. You would figure it would make ministry in life so much happier. But I think we all can attest to the fact that it has not made it happier or easier. If anything, I believe that the ministry has worked harder than they ever have in their life. It is a unique dynamic, and you have way more stories of this reality than I ever could have. But I feel the Lord has quickened me to Deuteronomy 28, verses 38 through 41. It says, Thou shalt carry much. Someone say much. We find ourselves working more than we ever have before. We find ourselves doing more than we ever have before. For the kingdom's cause and the kingdom's purpose. And so you would figure I've done more so I will see more. I have worked more so there would be more tangible results. But the Bible says they carried much seed into the field but gathered, someone say little. Much seed but little harvest. The locust was consuming their efforts they planted vineyards, they dressed them, but they never did get to drink of the wine or gather the grapes. The worms ate them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coast, but you won't be able to enjoy the benefits of those olive trees. You will not anoint yourself with the oil. If there's a even more sad, if that was not sad enough, I read verse 41. It says, you will beget sons and daughters but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. I do not know how things have played out for you in this congregation and in this district and in this region. But I know from stateside perspective of what I've seen is people that had sons and daughters seem to be losing them the past two years the youth groups that seem to be numerically growing and numerically thriving, seeing they wax stronger and stronger, more momentum than ever, higher attendance than ever, things in those veins and along those lines. Now it seems as if we look around and all the work and all the effort and all the planting, you wonder, where did it go where did all my fasting go? Where did all my prayer go? Where did all my effort go? Where did all my sacrifice go? I seem to have no tangible evidence for it. I can at least say from this perspective as a church planner of 15 years, you could do a lot of work in a church plant and after all the seeds and all the Bible study and all the outreach and all the effort, you would think, surely I'd be further along than I am right now. I was sharing with Pastor Lehman uh, over lunch and, and, and others uh, 
as we were discussing, I mentioned that, you know, it was seven years before we saw one person get the Holy Ghost in a service that I preached in Watertown, South Dakota. You, you better believe it was not because a lack of effort. If it, it wasn't because a lack of outreach. It wasn't a lack of prayer. But it definitely was the ground in which we were working with. You do have to recognize seasons do affect the ground. There is a process that takes place. There is a freezing and a thawing. And my Canadian brother and sister, South Dakota just means South Canada. I can, I can be touched with the feelings of your frostbite. I know what it's like to live and be the frozen chosen. We get negative 40 as well where we're at. And I think negative 30 and negative 40 is where Fahrenheit and Celsius meet. I, I know what that world's like. But the natural and the spiritual do reflect. There is a freezing of the ground. There is an effect on the ground. There are times and there are seasons. And I know that it would seem as if right now the obstacle we are living in, it, it's almost overwhelming. What can we do? How much harder can we work? Do I have that much more left in me? Because surely after two years, we'd be past this. The foe is formidable, but it's not impossible. I read from Song of Solomon chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. I feel there's a parallel here that I am to bring to you this evening. I am being conscious of time, but at the same time, I'm not too much in a rush because I believe the Holy Ghost is going to bring about a significant work in some souls in this room. If not all of you, I do believe there is a remnant in this room that God brought you here, not coincidentally, not accidentally, but God intended for you to be here tonight to bring you a redemptive word that is going to heal. We read here in Song of Solomon this relationship between the bride and the groom. And she makes this statement, I sleep, but my heart wakes. Now, you all may not understand this because you're teenagers, but when you get old and crunchy like me and you turn 37, you're almost on your way to heaven. <laughs> the most exciting part of the day is going to bed. You can't get there soon enough. And you wish you could be there more frequently. I now know who are the elders in the room, and I now know who are not the so elders. You all want to stay up to the crack of dawn, or we're the ones that wake up before dawn. But I, it's the first thought that comes on my mind, and there... You know, I used to be able to go, you know, have the liberty to go to bed when I wanted to or I would fight going to bed when I was a kid because I wanted to stay up late. But now that I have kids, there is a lot of effort to get them in bed. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work and you, all you want to do is get to bed. And There's nothing worse than desiring to go to bed and to lay there and all of a sudden... You can't sleep. 
and your heart is racing and your mind is moving a million thoughts a minute. And I feel in the spirit there is a sense of us just weary and tired and we just want rest. I just need a moment of rest. I would like a little peace. I would like just to relax. I would like to just find that rest where God causes the weary to rest. And especially in this segment of the ministry, I have talked to so many in these past two years of the weariness that is in their body, the weariness is in their soul, and all they really want to do is just find some peace and find some rest. But the moment they lay there at night, their eyes are open and their mind is moving. And though there they are at the bed, there they are in the most comfortable room that they possibly find themselves in, the mind is awake and the heart is beating and so many things going through. And you already know that you're not going to get the rest that you long for and that you desired but I'm here to let you know there is more than the anxiety of this world that is causing you to be awake right now. There is more than the element of opposition that is after your mind and after your heart in this room. The Bible says in verse 2, he said, my heart is awake because there is the voice of my beloved knocking. There are always two voices there. There's always two elements in the room. When you are in a moment of opposition and resistance, do know that there is an accompaniment there. Eli Hernandez said it like this about the three heavens. There is the sky, the heaven that is above our head, but above that is the prince of the power of the air. And it feels that resistance coming down against you and against the church but above the second heaven is a third heaven where Paul said I was able to go up to and I, there's things I are too wonderful for me to speak about and the reason why there's a pressure from the second heaven into the realm in which you live is because there is a heaven above that is trying to press its way in so when you feel opposition from the enemy pushing down on you know this that there is one higher than the prince of the power of the air that's trying to break in through to you. Do not get weary in well-doing. In due season you will. There is the voice of my beloved knocking on this door. And the voice, if you could hear that voice tonight, I pray you hear it. He is declaring open to me. Open my love. Open my dove. Open my undefiled. There is a voice that's knocking on the door of your heart tonight. And he's crying out to you, would you open up? Will you open up to me? It is important to see here in verse 2 what the voice of the beloved begins to say. I know that you've been through a lot. I know that you have faced a lot. But he goes on to say this, my locks are filled with the drops of the night. 
My head is filled with dew in my locks with the drop of the night. Meaning that the one that is knocking on the door of your heart. You have long, you've worked hard all day. You've been wanting to get to a place of rest. You are weary. But also know this. The one that is knocking on your door made a great journey. That is why the one speaking and knocking here says, look, I've been traveling a great distance all night. There's dew on my hair. I've made a great journey and I've made a great effort to get to where you are. You may wonder where is God in the absence of voice, in the absence of presence, but I promise you God is very much on his way to you. He's very much active right now. From the day that Daniel began to pray, the Bible says there was an immediate response from heaven. But there was a spiritual war taking place. But from day one, that angel was dispatched to come. And the Bible says that the angel spoke to Daniel and said, I've come for your words. See, we come to church to get a word from God. But God comes to church to get a word from you. God wants to hear you speak to him. God wants to hear you worship him. God wants to hear you call on him. And if you will call on God, God will come for your words. I sleep, but my heart wakes. You would think that immediately she would get up and go. But the Bible says in verse 3, this conversation took place. But I, I already took off my coat. I already changed my garments. I'm not wearing the walk around. I'm, I'm in my PJs. Well, you want me to get up and change and go all the way across that room to you? I've already took a bath. I already cleaned myself. You want me to get up and walk on this dusty floor that I have time to sweep today? Any wife in this room that has lived a life where you have worked in the home and raised the children and the husband's been gone all day and he comes home and he just wants to plop on the couch or he wants to hug and stuff and all that. Not even considering that she's worked all day, weary, tired, just wanting to rest, wanting to sleep. And like I said, if you are married with children, namely young children, I have a nine-year-old, eleven-year-old, nine-year-old, and a six-year-old. It, we get excited when seven o'clock comes, thinking like we might, we might pull this off tonight. We might be able to get in bed by eight. But after two hours of battle. And you finally prevail. And they're asleep in the room and you, you lay down and you turn off the light to go to sleep. And you're like, ah. all of a sudden you hear, mom, dad. Like, your turn. No, it's your turn. No, I've been counting. Last thing you want to do is get up and tend to the kids or to the need. I'm asleep. I'm tired. I'm weary. I don't know if I can get up. 
But the Bible says the one at the door did not give up. The beloved put his hand by that door handle. And the Bible says there was a stirring that took place. As she heard the sound of the beloved at the door. Yes, she was tired. Yes, she was weary. But the one at the door was beckoning. And something was awakening saying, I, I think it's worth the effort of getting up. And the Bible says she got up in verse 5 to open the door to the beloved. But all of a sudden she's like, well, he can't see me like this. I got I to gotta have it all together. You know, my, my mom and dad are first generation and my mom tells me the story. My mom, she, uh, she's from Tijuana and uh, she went to prison for attempted manslaughter. She was in a gang. She was. You don't mess with mama. I've done many sombrero dances. Old school, y'all don't know. But my Mexican mama from Tijuana would tell me a story when her and my dad got together and married and all that good stuff. My dad was a construction worker. He'd have to get up very early. Get up at 3, 4 in the morning. If you got to sleep in 5 in the morning, to go out to work. When the, my mom, she did not want him to wake up to something that didn't look good. So my mom would get up before my dad. Sneak the bathroom and my old school Mexican she do the McDonald's arches that's how you know if you're Mexican and she sneaked back in in bed just so when he woke up Thank God for holiness. We ain't in bondage, folks. I know it doesn't feel like the time to rise to the call. I know it doesn't feel like the hour to get up and go full throttle for God. Because we pushed for a few months, and what did we get to show for it? We pushed for a year, but how far have we really gotten? Yeah, we were excited because we had so many views on our Facebook page, on our stream. That gave us a little jolly for a while. Yeah, we got excited because our finances went up somehow, some way. But if you're really a part of the church, you're not interested in more money. You're interested in more souls. Because that's true riches. That's what we want to see. But after a year, after two years of pushing and pushing and more work than we've ever worked before, it's frustrating. It's tiring. 
I don't know if I can get up. I, I, and to hear God knocking on my door at youth explosion and hearing him about to give me some sort of vision and some sort of call. And it's like, God, don't you understand where we are? And it's been that way for two years and it's not getting better. I'm just tired. I don't know if I can get up. But I do believe God is going to convince you to get up again. But our fear is that maybe perhaps not yet. We don't have it all together because the, the past two years I've kind of let my guard down in certain areas of consecration. I've let my guard down over areas of holiness and godliness and purity. And I, I just kind of got caught up in the distraction. And I got swept up in the stream while streaming. And I, 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 I just kind of, I, I'm not what I used to be. And I don't think God is ready for me. I don't know if I can answer that door. Because I don't quite look Pentecostal right now. I don't quite look like I did two years ago on the inside. God knows that I might even look like a whited sepulcher full of dead man's bones. I don't know if I could, if I'm worthy to answer that call. I don't know if it's worth getting up. I, 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 I'm just tired. I'm weary. I don't know if I can do it again. And, and finally she gets convinced and she says, okay, let me fix this up and let me get this act together. Let me get this together. I got to look the part. I got to look just right. I got to make sure that when I answer the door, I impress him. And however long it took, she finally felt confident enough to answer the call at the door. And she walks to the door in verse 6 and opens it, ready to, hi. Oh, I just happened to look like this. But the Bible says, the beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called for him, but he gave no answer. We cannot delay to answer what God's going to call you to do this weekend. I have talked to a countless number of youth ministry and youth pastors who are so frustrated and at their wits end with the amount of young people, the devastation that has moved through our movement. Because if there's any group, as I mentioned, affected more, it would be the ministry and the young people. Ministers deal with people and there's been a disconnect between the people and young people have basically in the culture of Pentecost have lived from event to event from camp to convention to Congress to meeting after meeting and youth explosion to youth explosion. But God has helped us to see that you cannot live from event to event. And when you lost the one thing that was your stabilizing force, there was exposed vulnerability. 
vulnerabilities in all of our lives and we were shocked and we were caught off guard and we did not like what we did not see when we looked in the mirror every single day and we weren't able to look at someone else and go to some other event. I'm telling you right now, I know that you are weary and you feel like I don't know what that preacher is going to preach but I don't think I can match the intensity of what I feel of the voice knocking at the door but do not wait to get good to get God you just need to get God and he's going to make it all good God is calling you this weekend to get up do not delay anymore do not push it down the road anymore do not wait for some sort of government permission for you to pray for you to consecrate for you to fast for you to read your Bible God is calling you to wake up God is calling you to answer the door I could tell you conversation after conversation, the amount of people as pastors and youth pastors that already have quit or are on the verge of quitting, never more discouraged than they are right now, trying to navigate through unprecedented times and unprecedented hour. I had a conversation with the pastor one at an event that I was preaching at, and the Lord moved upon my heart, and I got such a burden as I began to pray for him, and he began to confess that just the day before, he was out exercising and he was just trying to find some sort of distraction or activity to get his mind off of the church because it consumed him. He would find himself in bed trying to sleep, but his heart would wake. His mind would race. It would be such a frustrating place to be as he was, and it was one of the most intense states that you could try to pastor a church in on stateside. And all of a sudden, as he is exercising, he's riding that bike, he began to pedal faster and faster and faster. And he said to God, I'm going to go as fast as I can. I want to see if my heart can just explode. I just want to die. There is a real attack going on. The enemy likes to move in when we are vulnerable. I don't try to make everything spiritual, but the enemy is an observer. And any time he could try to attach himself to the natural and affect the spiritual, he will. And there is a weariness taking place. And I'm, I'm talking, I don't know who here is ministry, but you hear me in the Holy Ghost. You, you're putting your game face on. You're looking the part, trying to be as positive as possible and fun as possible and trying to do the best you can with what you got. But you know exactly what I'm talking about right now in the Holy Ghost. By the end of the day, you're just saying, I just, I just want to sleep. I just, I just want to rest. I just want to lay down. I'm tired, God. I'm tired. I don't know if I can do this much longer, God. Just, I just want to break. Just please let me sleep. God, I want a little reprieve. I just want rest. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know if I can do it. And all of a sudden you hear a knock. 
and you know who's at the door. But you don't know if you can get up again. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you got to just get up and answer the door. I know you don't have it all together. I know your faith may not be where you want it to be. Your prayer life may not be where you want it to be. But don't try to figure it all out to answer the door. He made a great effort to get to where you are at. His hair is wet with dew and his locks with the wetness of the night. He's been coming a long way through your midnight hour. It's an inconvenient hour to get up, but God is that desperate to get to you as a minister and as a young person. God sees the hell that you have gone through, but God though he was rich, he was made poor. He humbled himself just to get to the door of your heart. God is very much involved in the process of a redemptive lift this evening. I wonder for a moment if you can lift your hands. I'm going to hurry up. Would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice and would you answer the voice that is knocking on this door? I know you see adversity, but there is an open door of opportunity. Come on, the hour. The hour is calling for you. The voice is calling for you. Youth pastor, I'll tell you why you're weary. Because you're used to ministering on site, in person, and pouring out. Anytime you as a minstrel or a minister are ministering, you are pouring out. And when you pour out virtue, something takes place. There's a ministry in the room to the congregation. And as they begin to respond, though, he's not singing for your response. And I'm not preaching for your response. We are simply conveying the attitude and temperament of the Lord and the Spirit world but as we pour out virtue and that virtue goes into you and you begin to respond that response pours virtue back into the minstrel and virtue back into the minister it's a powerful cyclical force that begins to take place but when it's just church online it's not as easy for the minister in the pulpit in the minstrel on the instrument because as virtue is pouring out nothing is pouring back Back in. You ought to pray more for your youth pastor than you've ever prayed in your life. You ought to be more encouraging to your pastor than you've ever been your entire life. You may have been an encouragement two years, but I want you to be more encouraging. I want you to pour virtue into your pastor. You need to pour virtue into your youth pastor. Write a handwritten letter and say, I love you. I believe in you. I'm supporting you. I'm behind tell you what I believe. It's my theory. You don't have to believe it. But I'm telling you someone that has been desensitized by addiction of media. You're looking at them right here. I used to work for Blockbuster Video. It's Brokebuster now. You don't know what it is. But it's like watching a, a scary movie, a horror film, and I'm not endorsing that. I'm just using this as a personal example of my past. 
that you watch something that kind of creeps you out and freaks you out. But over time, after seeing it enough, it desensitizes you. And it takes a little more to affect you. And it gets more graphic. Same thing in pornography. I believe it's the same principle in video ministry. At first, it's exciting. It's new. We're engaged. But is it the same as it was two years ago for you? It takes a little more. And the churches that may have not have been set up for that, you know, you go to listen and they start singing and preaching. I can't listen to that. I need, I need to go over here and click. You need to stay faithful to your church. But at first you are responding. I always really do wonder, as, as the minstrel of the Most High was leading worship and saying, come on, online viewers, I wonder how many actually were engaging. I, I hope so. It's funny, like doing these Zoom calls, I've done so many of them with, you know, overseas and in, 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 in uh, North America. And you say something, and all of a sudden, like you see so-and-so left, so-and-so left, so-and-so left. Well, conviction. All right. See, that's the benefit or convenience of staying home. Just leave, leave, leave. And also when you stop responding, you don't realize this, but you're training yourself not to respond. And so what I've seen when I've re-entered into churches and districts is a lack of response. You know why? Because it's a conditioned behavior over time at home. And I watched here tonight as worship was going on. Lack of response. Not all of you. You think I'm a jerk, but I'm really not here to be mean. I'm here to help. To help you to see when you do something long enough, you're conditioning a behavior. You don't come to church and flip a light switch and everything's just okay. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life. And we got to be very careful. So when you, I, and I know that people have to stay at home. There's people that need to do that. But if, if you have the opportunity to come to the house of God, you need, thank God for technology. It's, but like, I'm just like me watching this, this beautiful, if this was a big screen of fire and it was high def 5K, 1000K, 4K, whatever K, doesn't matter. It's just high def with Dolby surround, and, and it's just beautiful, wonderful. It looks good. It sounds good. But I don't feel the fire. I got to get to where the fire's at to feel it. I know you can feel God in your house, but I'm just saying, there's nothing like coming to the house of God where the fire's being recorded. I encourage you, come to the house of God. You think it looks good on screen? You think it sounds good on screen? Just come to this altar. I promise you, it is unlike anything else.
But this is why ministry and young people are so weary, so tired. We're weary. I don't know if we can do this after two years. But this is what I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost. I'm coming to a close as fast as I can. Is Zechariah 10.1. It is time. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of rain. It may not seem like you see a cloud in the sky. But you got to believe that it is the time of rain. Hosea 10.12 says it is time to seek the Lord. You've been sowing a lot. But you're going to reap. You're going to reap. There's a fallow ground that we are breaking up and I promise you in the Holy Ghost, let God be true and every man a liar. It is written in the last day saith the Lord. He will. He will. He will. He will. He will pour out His Spirit upon all But here we are in Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, there is a door of opportunity coupled with adversity. And if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. I talk about adding insult to injury. All right, I'm going through adversity. I want to quit. Now you're calling me weak. Thanks a lot, God. But it's not to insult you. It's there to inform you so you know where you're at. If you find yourself fatigued in the day of adversity, it's because of the level of strength you have. Now, you could take it as an insult or something God's informing you so you can fix it, so you can correct it. Correction is to correct and this is where I feel we are at in the spirit. And the Lord would have to say, let's heal. And there is a healing formula, if you will, for those weak, those weary and well-doing that I want to bring to you. For those that are weak, though anointed. David was the anointed king. But even as the anointed king, you can be weak. Hear me, faith is not a feeling. Faith is a response. People waiting for the feeling to respond. No, faith is a response. And I'm here to tell you, church, that we can respond differently. If you are weak, though anointed, there's something that you need to know that you need to do. I want you to write this down if you have pen and paper. I want you, if you have your phone, you can take out and open a note. Don't text nobody, but open a note. I want you to write these simple verses down so you can remind yourself what to do when you are weak, though anointed. First is Psalm 22 and verse 3. It tells us this, that God inhabits the praises of his people. The residence of God is found on the corner of Praise and Worship Boulevard. That is where you can find God's residence. God lives in the midst of praise. God lives in your praise. Why does that matter? Psalm 1611, go ahead and write that down. The Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. Where is his presence found? In 
praise. God lives in praise. Why do we want God to be there in our praise? Because when his presence shows up, the Bible says in his presence is complete fulfilling joy. You don't feel joy right now. You feel void of it. But I'm telling you, if you can praise, you can get God. And if you can get God, you can get joy. Not joy for the sense of just a smiley type feeling that you hope to have every now and again. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 this is key about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you are weak right now, get God's presence. Get his presence by getting your praise on. And when you get your praise on, his presence shows up and there's joy in his presence. And when you got his presence presence and you got joy the joy of the Lord will be your strength yeah I'm weak though anointed but I promise you this if I can ever get to praising God if I ever get my worship going I can get God's presence uh, you know why you're all down and weak right now praise is turned into an event and when praise is only an event, eventually you faint. Eventually you burn out. And that's what's happened with the church with reduced attendance because we are trying to cooperate with the government. When there's absence of any attendance, we would only praise on Sunday or we would only praise on Wednesday or we would only praise at the event. Yeah, you might have prayer going on. I hope you pray every day. You, praise will help you gain ground. Prayer will help you sustain that ground. But if you're just praying every Every day and not praising every day. There is a missing piece to the equation for you to have strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. God inhabits the praises of his people. I noticed it during worship. What do you mean by that? When they had praising songs, a little more exciting, you know, we're all kind of like, yeah. But when they turn into weepy songs, all of you cooperated for the most part. People started coming to the altar. You know why weeping was easy? Because it matches the atmosphere you're against. But the church is not called to match the atmosphere. We are called to change the atmosphere. It's easy to weep during a weeping season. But you got to, by faith, believe it's a praising season. It's a time to rejoice. It's a time to worship. It's a time to lift your head. Lift the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Lift your hands. Lift your voice.
The context of Nehemiah 8.10 is they were weeping Why the wall is being complete. That would be a perfect time to celebrate. But they did not celebrate because their attitude matched the atmosphere around them. And that's what we've been doing for two years. We're matching the rest of society. It's frustrating. It's depressing. It's sad. We're weary in well-doing. But somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to find a cause. And someone's got to lift their voice. Well, I, I don't know if we could. There's nothing really to praise God for. We lost our youth group. We lost our building. We lost our lease. We lost everything we're out in our worship for. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 as we stand together. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Your fruit will not be in the vines. The labor of the olive will fail. The fields will have no meat. The flock will be cut off from the fold. No herd. That's the most depressing verse. No fruit, no anointing, no congregation. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because the Lord God is. He is my Am I, am I talking to someone that feels weak though you're anointed? God called you through two years ago. God called you three years ago. But today you don't feel as much anointing as you did in the past. But know this by faith. You are anointed to be king. You are anointed to have dominion over your school. You have the power, the authority. You've been commissioned by God. And though you see no fruit. And though you see no flock. Yet will I rejoice. Yet. Will I praise God? Look what happens. Look what happens when you praise God. Verse 19. God will make your feet like hinds feet. And he will make you to walk upon the high places. And so he says to the people who play the instruments. Come on, chief singers. Come on, string instruments. Come up here right now. That's how he concludes this. He goes, I need some singers. I need some people that go on how to play the instrument. Because by faith, I praise God. By faith, I worship God. Look, I... I have not been what you've been through, but I've been through some low times. I've had two mental breakdowns. Trying to dig out a warfare, I know what that feels like to be at your wit's end. A couple years ago, it was, it was just before the pandemic, I, I was in a season of consecration, and, and I, I wrestled the spirit. I was up against the spirit, and the Lord showed me it's a spirit of control. And I was up against the battle, one of the fiercest battles I've ever been up against. And I could feel 
the shaking and the trembling and succumbing to the atmosphere and the situation around me. But as I was about to break down, I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to get up. I don't want to get up, but I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to say, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I don't want to jump, but I'm going to jump anyways. I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And all of a sudden, no more shackles. No more chains. No more bondage. I was free. I was free. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, you're weak, you're anointed, but you need to praise God. Don't wait for an event. Do it now. And you need to praise God, not just in this moment, but every day. Let everything that happens praise ye the Lord. Come on, is there a praiser? Come on, and you may not feel it, but will you by faith praise God? Lift your hands, lift your voice, and begin to dance before the Lord all your might and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Come on, rejoice. 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 Freedom. 